At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them, there's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate this offer. That's promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Halloween, everybody, and welcome to your Thursday episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am your host, David Harrison, for this episode, as I am every Thursday, joined, of course, by Evan Winter of BucksNation.com. Follow Evan on Twitter at Evan underscore Winter. Follow myself on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Follow the show at Locked On Bucks. And then, of course, you can find everything Evan and I are writing at BucksNation.com. And follow that uh, that Twitter account at Bucks underscore Nation. Evan, so usually this is the part of the show where I give you a couple minutes, kind of give your thoughts on the game that was uh, the week prior. However, because partially because I was sick, so I haven't been able to be on the show actually until this episode uh, for this week, and partially because we've gotten so many phone calls from Bucks fans uh, wanting to speak their mind and, and get some answers as best as any way that we can give them. Uh, from our foxhole, from our perch, as you put it, we're gonna we're gonna talk plenty about the game that was and the week that was. But Evan's also gonna come back with me tomorrow for what would be our final preview episode with James and I. Evan's gonna do that. So if you haven't heard James' crossover uh, with the host of the Locked On Seahawks, please go do that, where he gives his final score prediction. Evan and I will give ours on tomorrow's episodes on tomorrow's episode, and then James and I are actually gonna be back again for Saturday. Because some of you guys had some pretty good reactions to James's solo episode that dropped on Tuesday. And I've already told him that he's definitely going to be responding to your reactions. Um, so I'm definitely going to be here for that. Uh, so join us again Saturday to hear him uh, answer all of your guys' reactions. But Evan, so here's how we're going to do this, man. Um, so you remember when I talked, we talked yesterday, right? And I asked you if you had a little bit extra time today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We have 10 voicemails to answer. Nice. I like it. Yeah, me too. So here's how I did this. Okay. Um, I grouped them. So we've got three groups of voicemails and we're going to hit them one by one. This first group, they're all themed, right? So this first group is four voicemails. So we're going to hear now from Ryan, Jacob, JT, and Joe, and then we will respond to kind of the theme of their group thoughts. My name is Ryan Davis and I am calling from Reno, Nevada. I have never been a geographical fan. Tampa because I never lived in Florida or anywhere else and stuff like that. So it's kind of a fan that's been away from the fan base. The guy who's watched a lot of games by himself in a lot of bars. This is complete and utter crap. What we just saw. I'm sure people are going to get on Jameis and say, oh, well, you know, if we wouldn't have thrown the two interceptions before the game and everything like that, that would have been great. Well, Jesus, I mean, we had a lead 23-17 in the game. What else does Jameis have to do? We wanted him to start throwing away and we wanted him to start 
you know, run the ball down the field exactly what he started doing. He, on the three possessions he had, I watched Richard Perryman run a terrible route. I watched Chris Godwin. He had to have run the wrong route. There's no way you throw. That is a throw you throw to a streaking receiver. That is not a turnaround throw right there. That is an obvious miscommunication. And the Ryan Jensen ball, oh, my goodness. And the strip fumble, that is not just him. JPP is over there screaming his heart out on the side of the, on the sidelines trying to get these guys motivated. They were trying. I saw everything clicking within the game and stuff. But one or two, three things go wrong, and that's the story of this team. I've seen it for years. It's ridiculous. Like, there's more going on here than just Jameis Winston. It's obvious. Please talk about something more than Jameis Winston just completely blowing games for us all the time. Hey, guys. This is South Carolina. Um, calling to give my thoughts. I was at the Nashville game, came up, made the trip, and it was a wonderful game. It was wonderful to be at. And uh, I'm probably going to do an unpopular opinion here, but Jameis Winston, besides a few more seconds, Jameis Winston had a hell of a game. Heck of a game, sorry. He he played his heart out. He did what he could to get our team in the best position. I, I believe it was play calling, and our wide receivers let us down. I mean, that's what happened today. And then our defense was creating pressure, and then in the second half, pressure was non-existent. You know, we were playing against one of the best pass defenses in the league, and Winston did the best he could with what he got. But besides Mike Evans, we need – besides Mike Evans, you know, the receivers were non-existent. So, to me – I would put more of the blame on Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians, especially at the end of the game. At 4-1, and one, we should be throwing a 50-50 ball to Mike Evans, not throwing a slant to Rashad Perriman. But that's what I think. Um, thank you all for letting me call, and go Bucks. Hey, this is JT from Texas. Uh, love the show. Love that y'all get contact, content out every day uh, about the game this week. Winston played his ass off. Not all that was his fault. Not all of them turnovers were his fault. He played his ass off. How do y'all feel about getting him a one-year contract or two-year contract, revamping the O-line, and seeing what he can do with some protection? Thanks. Y'all have a good one. Go Bucks. Hey, guys. Joe from Ocala. Another tough loss. Like I've said it before, you know, a few players. O-line, secondary, and can we please find a third wide receiver? I watch a lot of football. I'm, I, I grew up a basketball player. I'm six seven, three hundred pounds. I'm forty years old. I've played sports my entire life. I, I I've always been, and I, I still play them now as an adult. I have never in my life have seen a a wide receiver in motion. I mean, just completely level your running back when you when you're on the goal line. It, it's it's so inexcusable. It's not even funny. Refs killed us again in this game. I just don't understand it. I, I, I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Again, O line, secondary. You know, again, no running game. Play calling. You know, coaching again, James. I know you've gone over this. I mean, this is getting, you know, fourth and one, and you go, and it's a long one, and you go into the shotgun. Like, I've never been a coach before in my entire life, but I know that that kind of trickery does not work in the NFL. I mean, it's just love to hear what you guys have to say. Go Bucks. 
All right, Evan. So uh, again, guys, Ryan, Jacob, JT, and Joe, we definitely appreciate uh, the phone call. Definitely appreciate your thoughts uh, coming into the show here. So Evan, um, you remember all of that stuff, right? That they talked about. Oh yeah, I wrote down notes, scribbled them down on a little note. Did you? Fantastic. That's why I love you. But just in case you didn't, I have bullet points. All so, right. Let's let's do this. All right. So let's break this down. Uh, and like I said, this is why we didn't do a quick recap because this episode is going to be all about what happened in this game, and then at the end we're going to talk about moving forward. So one of the voicemails uh, talked about giving Jameis Winston a one or two, two more, two, one or two more a year deal, uh, getting the line fixed and, and moving forward. We're going to save that part for later. So don't talk about that part just yet. That's going to come back in another section. But first, let's talk about this. So obviously, the theme of this group, right, is that it's not all on Jameis. And we're talking about Tennessee, not necessarily the whole season, but we're talking about Tennessee. One of the callers mentioned that he was throwing the ball away more than ever last week against the Titans, and he was running the ball more than ever. Uh, at least this season, you know, and that's something that fans and, and some media members have even talked about. I know I've talked about it. I know James has talked about it. And I even mentioned it in the group. And I think Evan, that was you and I going back and forth said, hey, you know what? It's good to see Jameis tucking the ball and taking matters in his own hands a little bit. I think it was you that agreed with me. Um, he ends up being the leading rusher for the Buccaneers. Eight carries, 53 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. How do you how do you feel about the way that Jameis play, approached this game from a developmental standpoint as far as doing some of those things that we've all been calling about? on to do is not take some of those sacks, get the ball out when he can, and then sometimes tuck it and run when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, I honestly thought he did all of those things, and I thought he did them efficiently, and I thought he did them effectively. Um, he played very well. And no, this loss is not on Jameis Winston. Obviously, the old the mantra, the saying is that the quarterback's always going to take the heat no matter what, but this loss fa- uh, falls squarely on the coaching staff's shoulders. Um, now there was, we'll get into that a little bit later, obviously as well, but, um, but there were a couple moments though, where I believe it was a second and eight or something like that later in the game. Um, Jameis had Cameron Brait open on the left sideline and he threw a pass that was too short that Brait couldn't uh, catch. If Brait would have caught it, if it would have been an accurately placed ball, then, uh, Brait would have caught it. It would have been a third and short instead of a third and long, which obviously, you know, we know how this team plays whenever they get in unfavorable, unfavorable or unmanageable down in distances. Um, so there were still a few things that Jameis did that I did not like that I still think he needs to improve on. But when it comes to the overall game and the play of the game, I mean, the three of the what well, he had four turnovers, two fumbles and two interceptions, if I'm remembering correctly, three of those turnovers were not his fault. I mean, Ryan Jensen did not snap the ball when he was supposed to on the first fumble. Chris Godwin, Gil uh, Arcia, our, our awesome manager or editor, you know, whatever title he wants to use. Um, he aptly pointed out to us during the game that he thought the first interception was on Godwin, which it turned out to be that. And then obviously the second interception was on Perryman. So you like the fact that Jameis tucked the ball. You like the fact that he ran. I thought he did everything pretty well. But unfortunately for him, with the team that's around him, he's got almost no room for error. And I believe the deficiencies of the uh, of the the deficiencies that surround him magnify his errors to that much more of an extent, if that makes any sense. Oh, it definitely does. And, and I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I mean, I think that Jameis played this game in a much smarter way than we have seen him play in the past. And, and I really felt like, you know, outside of obviously some of those early problems that, you know, the Ryan Jensen fumble caused and, and the miscommunication with Chris Godwin and everything, I really felt like Jameis was doing everything that he had been asked to do internally and externally to, to put this team in good positions 
to be successful, you know, not waiting too long. It, it's kind of the big thing that, that James and I have talked about. And I've kind of been, uh, call it complaining if you want on the show is, you know, I understand keeping your eyes downfield and wanting to make a play and giving your receivers opportunities to come open. But at the same time, blockers can't block forever because that's eventually pass rushers, you know, uh, the defensive line is going to get home. So if you don't get the ball out, you're just you're just, you're just asking to be sacked. And he was doing that, man. And, and he was doing it very well. And it was it was successful. He took a few more hits uh, than I would have liked to have seen him take. But sometimes that comes with the territory. But it, what I liked is he wasn't taking bad hits, you know, like he was getting hit. But they were, you know, they're 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 your run in the mill, your average hits. They're not your linebacker keying off on a quarterback type of hit. Um, so I thought he was doing that very well. And then that kind of takes us in the next thing, uh, Evan. Wide receivers not helping him out. Bruce Arians talked about that after the game. We've heard Bruce Arians talk about that before. Um, during camp, he talked about it. You know, earlier this season, he talked about it. And then here we are. You mentioned the Brashad Perryman play. You know, we talked about the Chris Godwin play. What 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 do you? How do you feel about these wide receivers right now? Um, and how much they influence what happened with this game, which, like you said, at the end of the day, the win-loss is going to sit on the quarterback's record more than anybody. But how do you feel? Wh- where do you where do you land on the spectrum of they flat-out let their quarterback down to they contributed to the struggles of the team? I mean, you can say Chris Godwin, I don't think, is ever going to let his quarterback down, um, but he definitely didn't help things. Mike Evans was the only one worth a damn on Sunday. And all the other receivers not named Mike Evans or Chris Godwin are about as useful as my left knee right now, which in case those who don't know, I have a torn ACL in my left knee. So that's about how useful those guys are. I mean, I mentioned this. I brought this up probably about three or four weeks ago just as kind of a a talking point because it was starting to bubble up to the surface, the the lack of a a third playmaker in the receiving department, whether you want to use O.J. Howard or not. But my God, this has just turned into a full-blown disaster when it comes to that position. I don't even think Adam Humphreys keeping him would have really saved the third receiver position. Apparently, Bruce Arians didn't like him. You know, we heard the comments he made off off the record about him that we're not liable to share. Um, but I mean, I dude, I just don't know. I've never seen, and I've seen some pretty pathetic receiving cores in my life being a Tennessee Vols fan and a Tennessee Titans semi fan. I've got to make that clear on here. Um, I've seen some pretty bad receiving cores and this, this tops the list, obviously outside of Evans and Godwin. I mean, I don't know what you have to do to get these guys to make a damn play. I don't understand why Brashad Perryman is jogging down the field on a last second route. I know, I know it's not likely you're going to make a play, but at least put some freaking effort into getting the ball or trying to make a play. I don't know why Scotty Miller, the, I mean, he burned Vernon Hargraves plenty of times in camp, but obviously as we're seeing now, anybody can burn Vernon Hargraves, but I still don't know why he's being used on deep routes. That makes no sense. Why are you going to send a five, eight guy on a nine route down the field and expect, expect him to, over out over or outmatch a cornerback that's at least five ten or higher that can run just right with him. I mean, hello, Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, defensive backs, cornerbacks are fast in the league. This isn't college. So I, I just don't know what you can do at this point. At this point, Justin Watson, I'll be surprised if he's on the roster next year. Um, the guys just they're they're not getting it done, man. And I haven't watched enough film. I'll be the first to admit that to truly tell you why they aren't getting it done. Now that I have this torn ACL, that's going to be my goal is to kind of dig deep over these next few weeks and find out a lot of the answers to these questions. But, dude, something has to change and something has to change fast because 
this offensive line can't hold up long enough for these other scab receivers who can't run routes and get separation. This offensive line can't hold up long enough for them to do that if Godwin and Evans are being taken care of on the forefront. So something has to give. And again, this falls on the coaching staff to work around their players, which is something we were told during the offseason they would do, but obviously have not done so far this year. Um, but yes, I, like I said, man, I know I've said it. I know I said this a lot. Something's got to change. I don't know what needs to change. But yeah, this is absolutely, uh, absolutely abysmal what's going on behind uh, Godwin and Evans. Yeah, perfectly put, brother. Uh, I can't, can't, can't say it any different. I mean, I, Chris Godwin, you know, like you said, uh, it's, you're not going to categorize, categorize this year as, as a disappointment. That route obviously was a disappointment. And I don't understand. I don't know what happened on that route. You know, I know Gil told us and he tweeted out when it happened that it looked like maybe James called a hot router or changed his route or something like that. And Chris didn't do it. Um, I, I went back and watched it on the all 22 and I, I James does kind of make a motion towards Chris. He kind of makes a mission, um, a motion towards uh, that side of the field where Chris and Mike Evans are lined up. Neither of them reacts to, to what Jameis uh, signals if he signaled anything. So I don't know if it was, if it, if it was some sort of audible or change at the line that James tried to make that Chris didn't understand. But what I will tell you is that, that play design, like it's going to be hard for me to try to describe it. So if you go back and watch that game, or go back and watch it all 22, you kind of watch it. Watch the routes on the right versus the routes on the left. It doesn't make sense for Chris and Mike to run those same, the same routes on that side of the field. It just, it just doesn't really fit kind of you know traditional offensive schemes. I understand, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of every play of the scheme, but I think, you know, I, I, what I believe is that Chris basically thought his route was what Mike ran is my understanding. I don't think it was necessarily an audible that messed everything up. And if you look at it, if, if Chris is supposed to be running, you know, uh, a straight line route there, not coming out of a break or anything yet, then where James puts the ball, Chris should get the ball uh, a couple of steps before uh, the defender gets there. And, and, you know, that's probably a completion more times than not. So definitely a disappointing rep. Um, I haven't watched every single Chris Godwin rep, but I would say that's probably the first one we can identify this year where Chris wasn't where he was supposed to be for that to happen obviously uh in, in a game like that in a situation like that where you're at in the field um then moving on to the offensive line evan you already kind of hit on some of that stuff but we talked about these uh we talked about these these turnovers right four turnovers for the day for james winston two picks two fumbles the jensen fumble like i understand quarterbacks get the credit for that but that is not on james winston like you cannot right. there is nothing i mean ali marpet is still looking behind him waiting for the motion uh, you know, from Jameis to tap Jensen. Like, that's how most NFL teams handle, you know, away games is the guard looks for the symbol from for the signal from the quarterback, and then he turns and he taps the center. And the center, as a center, like, until you feel that tap from your buddy, you, what are you doing? So right. I have no idea why Jensen snapped that ball, you know. Uh, at first I thought, I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe Jameis lifted his leg out of habit or something, and Jensen saw it, so he thought that he was ready. So he thought he was ready. But Jensen wasn't even looking like Jensen's head is straight up, you know, looking at the defense. He's not even looking uh, through his legs back at Jameis. So that's not a possibility. Just completely in, in, inexplicable, um, honestly. And just kind of another one of those moments. I mean, Jensen's had he's had a regular, relatively strong season. And then that happens. And again, you're deep in your own and your own territory. You're automatically giving the opposing team points because of where you're giving them the ball. Just absolutely uh, just just terrible. And then the two interceptions we've already talked about. And then the, the strip sack. So I went back and watched it, and, and I watched the all twenty-two. And it's very obvious that Donovan Smith completely gets worked on that on that play. Just uh, okay. not, you know, not a play that he should be making. 
So I went back to, because I don't have a stopwatch. My stopwatch skills aren't the greatest anyway, especially looking at a computer screen. So I went back to the broadcast. The ball is snapped with six minutes and 13 seconds on the clock. When Harold Landry hits Jameis Winston's arm, Jameis Winston is getting ready to develop to deliver a five yard out to Tanner Hudson. There are six minutes, 11 seconds on the clock. Yeah, that's not really on Jameis. Then. That's I how long it took. Yeah, it took Landry less than three seconds to get in on Jameis Winston and have his arm on or his hand on Jameis's arm. Like not just getting to the pressure point, like he is making contact with the quarterback and two full seconds have not ticked off the clock. Yeah, that's exactly why people were saying Harold Landry might be a top 10 pick that year, and I don't know how he fell to the second round to this day. But, yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And if that's the case, no, you can't put that on Jameis. There's no there's no concept in the world that's going to get you a positive net gain on that play that's going to allow you to get the ball out that quickly. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, Jameis is in the shotgun. It's basically a three-step drop, except it's more of a – like a hop step and then a step back and then a throw. And Jameis is in rhythm. He's on time. Tanner makes his break at five-yard point. Uh, he's got inside leverage on the linebacker. I mean, there's nothing, Jameis. You know, uh, you can't – there's not a hot read in the world that that's going to save you from that. Nope, uh, not at all. So, yeah. So, four turnovers. As far as I'm concerned, that sounds like as far as you're concerned, uh, those are all unearned turnovers. Oh um, yeah, then yeah. That's if that's the case for the fourth one. Then yeah, man, I'm I'm with you 100. Um, percent I don't understand. Then and man, just that just speaks to the type of luck this guy has. I, and I'm not trying to be a I'm not trying to be an apologist. I'm not doing that at all. Um, but good God, I mean, how do you have four turnovers that aren't really your fault at all? I mean, right. that's that just blows my mind. Yeah. No, and I'll, and I'll tell you. I mean, you know, we on this show. I mean, com- coming out of London, especially like you know. Uh, we we have zero problems giving Jameis the blame that he deserves, but man, brother, those four turnovers. I'm not giving Jameis any of those. To be to be quite honest, with you. even those routes. You know, th- th- I've seen some people in social media talking about. Well, he should have seen that Chris isn't running that route, or he should have seen that Brashad wasn't running very hard. Listen, guys, the NFL is predicated on timing, uh, timing routes, which means that quarterbacks are expected to throw where the receiver is supposed to be. Yep, uh, supposed to be going rather. Sorry, not where he's at. In this league, most of the time, if you throw where the receiver is at, you're getting intercepted because by the time the receiver is there, the defender is also getting there. Um, you got to throw it where the receiver is going because that's the only way you're beating the defender to the ball. And that's exactly what Jameis was appearing to do in those two interceptions, at least. Uh, the problem is receivers didn't get there. So let's get to the next bullet point on why this is not Jameis's fault. Play calling. Uh, James has been a big, big, big talker on play calling. Evan, listen. All the way up until Tennessee, man, I've been sitting here saying, you know what? I don't really blame Byron for a lot of his play calling, his game planning. Uh, does it look like a new or, you know, kind of an inexperienced game planner? Yeah, it does a little bit, but I still think he's been doing the right thing, putting his team in position to win. Uh, I'm going to let you take this one first, but play calling, especially on that fourth and one. Uh, yeah, go for it, man. It's so predictable. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of watching it, honestly. Um, and they don't take advantage of short distances on early downs, which drives me absolutely back guano. I mean, it. I can't handle it, man. Like, there were so many second and twos. And like I said, I'm going to work on numbers. I might even have some numbers for tomorrow, um, depending on how the conversation goes. I'm gonna, but I'm definitely going to be posting this over the next few days. But there were so many times where they had a second and two, a second and three, 
um, maybe even a third and one at times. Like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to put exact numbers on the situation. I'm not trying to lead folks down the wrong trail. I'm just going off of my general memory. Um, but they ran the ball straight up the gut or on the right side, even not their strongest side of the offensive line. They ran it on the right side where you have a backup guard and a hurt aging right tackle who can barely hold up and run support anyways. Run support's never really been his thing anyway. Why are you why, why are you running it on that side? And why aren't you in a, at least some kind of formation, a shotgun, um, maybe a three wide receiver set, something that at least looks like you're going to pass? No, these guys are lining up with two tight ends um, and a fullback, or not, sorry, not a fullback, but an H-back, and then running it up the gut. It's Dude, it's just so 1950s and 1960s and just so obvious that, especially when you're playing a team like the Titans, where they have a Jarrell Casey, a Daquan Jones, a Jeffrey Simmons, a Rashawn Evans, who is arguably the best middle linebacker when it comes to stopping a running game in the NFL. I mean, dude is an absolute missile that can tear through the A gap or B gap, whatever gap he's trying to get through. Nobody's stopping him. And if they do, it's a rare occasion. But freaking pass the ball, man. Loosen up the defense. But then again, maybe that's because they have nobody else who can catch the ball outside of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So maybe it's a lack of confidence in the uh, in the receiving core. Maybe it's a lack of confidence in Jameis Winston as well. We don't really know. We're not in the huddle. But dude, it is so predictable. And like you're saying, if you have stacked receivers on one side, those receivers cannot be within five to ten, five to seven yards of each other when the ball is thrown. That makes absolutely no sense. It's not taking advantage of the field. That's not taking advantage of the numbers. And that's not spreading a defense out, which is exactly what the game is about these days. So Bruce said his MO is to stop the run, run the ball, and then win games. Dude, something's gonna have to change because it's not that's not worked here. I don't think in my life outside of 2015. And maybe one other year that I can't think of right off the top of my head. I guess 2013, Doug Martin's rookie year, or 2012, sorry, 2012, Doug Martin's rookie year, where the Bucks have had a sustainable, effective running game. That just doesn't happen in Tampa Bay. It's like wide receivers in Tennessee. It just doesn't happen. So they need to realize what they have, who they have, and how to attack defenses in that manner instead of being stubborn and just trying to fit square pegs and round holes. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, and I'm tired of it, man. Extremely frustrating. When I, when I saw them come out in that formation on that fourth and one, uh, I, I said out loud, I said, you know what they're doing. Please tell me you're not about to run this ball. Oh, you knew they and, were. Though. You knew they were. <laughs> and then I see Peyton grab the ball, and, man, oh. I, I love Peyton Barber. Barber. Uh, it's just it's, it's not going to happen, you know. And especially in this game, I mean, this game itself gave zero confidence, zero reason to believe that that play was going to have any success. And you know, honestly, I kind of thought back to the fourth and one previously in the game. And uh, I'm kind of a gambler by nature, you know what I mean. So dear myself to guys like Bruce Arians who come in and saying things like "No risk it, no biscuit," and you know, uh, we're going we're going to go for it, we're going to do things. That's why I like guys like Ron Rivera, you know, Riverboat Ron and. And stuff like that. And I kind of thought back to that. And I'm like, you know, man, so the Tennessee Titans offense, you know, Ryan Tannehill, you know, they've got some some decent receivers on paper. But like you said, they kind of struggle on getting everything going. You know, Derrick Henry's kind of a boomer, a bust type of guy. Like he's, you know, leads the league in, in, in getting stopped behind the line of scrimmage. But at the same time, he can bust out a 20 yard run at any moment. So it's it's kind of a risky move. But at the same time, man, you're in you're in Tennessee territory. Uh, it's early in the game. It's fourth and one. You know, I don't remember what the score was, but I'm like, this is when you go for it. This, yeah, 
is when if you want to line up in the shotgun trips left and run Peyton Barber up the gut, fine. I mean, I'm not going to be happy about it no matter when you do it. But if you're going to do it, do it early in the game. Because when because then if it doesn't work, then fourth and one at the end of the game, you've already tried it. So you know it's not going to work because you have evidence that it's not going to work. So you can go to something different. Or if it did work, then you know it's going to work. But at the same time, you got in the back of your head. You're like, you know, because we did that, they might be expecting it again. And then you can be even crazier and run a play action on fourth and one out of the shotgun. Really throw everybody for a loop and maybe you get somebody for a big game. I don't know, man. All I know is Peyton Barber's averaging less than three yards per carry in that game up to that point. You line up in the shotgun on a fourth and one. You're asking him to gain four yards. Zero evidence to think that that was going to happen. Um, so that, I, I will tell you, that is the that is the first time this season where I have unequivocally, unequivocally looked out there and said, Byron, what are you doing? Like, what are what are you doing? Use your um, use your best running back too in that situation. Tate yeah, Barr is not yeah. even the best running back. I mean, <clears throat> what are they doing? It just doesn't make any sense yeah. right now. Yeah, especially because I mean, when you think about it, man, like in a shotgun run, if you have a problem with that shotgun run, it's going to be penetration, right? It's going to be a guy getting through the line, meeting your running back in the backfield. You have two running backs. Which one of them is going to make a guy miss in the backfield more? Like, who's more likely to make a guy miss in the backfield? Ronald Jones or Peyton Barber? Ronald, Ronald Jones. Jones. <laughs> so again, so I mean, you're not playing to your player strengths right there. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I I, I still kind of go back, even though I'm I'm not as down on Byron, um, because I still kind of look at it, man. I'm like, you know, if Rashad Perryman runs that route a hundred percent, then maybe he comes down with that ball. It's still Rashad Perryman, so I don't know. Um, but if Chris Godwin runs the right route, there's communication. If those if that communication problem doesn't happen, that interception doesn't happen, this team is still in a position to win. So I still look at him like Byron, even though there's some struggles going on, even though this team isn't putting up the points that maybe everybody thought they would and the yards that they, that they necessarily thought they would, the running game is still not where everybody thought it might be. Byron is still, as a game planner, as an offensive coordinator, putting this team in position to win. They're just not executing all the time. That right there, I'm like, dude, no. that's Especially that late in the game, that is not a decision you can make. Uh, B.A. even said himself you should have vetoed it or whatever. But to me, that right there is also part of the problem. Like, if yeah. if Byron's driving the boat, man, get your hand off the steering wheel. Yes. You know what I mean? But if you yeah. want to have your hand on the steering wheel, then maybe Byron ain't ready yet. And again, when you've got a quarterback and you've got a franchise in this situation, this is not the time to be figuring out, is Byron ready? Either Byron's ready or he's not ready. If he's ready, then let's go. Let's put Byron out there and let's find out if Jameis is ready. Yeah, you but shouldn't if Byron's even give not ready, then go you ahead, need Byron. to do it and make sure that Jameis is getting the best opportunity to prove that he can be the guy. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, just and yeah, if I've never heard of somebody saying, "Oh yeah, he's got all the power," but I'm going to tell him no whenever I feel like it. That just doesn't make any sense. And when it comes to Bruce Arians, just in general, his game management calls, his his decisions, like to go for it. I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people probably liked it. I didn't like it to go for two that early in the game when they were down 17, 15. It's completely unnecessary. You still had a whole nother half of football to left to play. You chase points in the second half, and then the 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 stupid decision after what have we seen over the last few weeks, even the whole entire season, when it comes to reversing past interference calls? It does not happen. And yet here the Bucks are with a one-score lead 
needing all of their timeouts, and Bruce challenges a freaking defensive pass interference call that wasn't called. It wasn't even called, so you're not going to get it. You can't even get it reversed. So if it's not going to get called in the first place, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, we messed up. It's a it's a defensive pass interference play. I mean, dude, it like every decision that's been made by this coaching staff Outside of Todd Bowles, for the most part, even Keith Strong, his special Keith Armstrong, his special teams have been terrible. I mean, every decision that's been made has been questionable at best so far with this coaching staff. Yeah, I say that the two point conversion. I didn't necessarily disagree with it. I did sit there and I thought to myself, you know, man, the way this season's been going, the way these games have been going, I'd probably just kick the extra point in this situation. But I do always, like I said, I appreciate aggressiveness, so I appreciate the going for two. Uh, you know, obviously it didn't work out. The uh, I the, the, it the necessary. I don't like it when it's yeah. not necessary. Yeah, yeah. The the challenge. Yeah, I I almost get I almost get the feeling that was one of those like it's the principle of the matter, which uh I get. But again, when you're talking about leading a football team and you're in a in a in a must win situation, I don't know if it's really the point to kind of try to drive a point home. Um, yeah, the the NFL is not about principles. I don't know if Bruce Arians <laughs> realizes that or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, my confidence still is in the coaching staff, though. I still have confidence in the coaching staff. I still have confidence in what they're doing. We're gonna get to, to a little bit more of that here in a minute. Um, but but man, we are we are cooking this episode, I'll tell you what. Um, so let's go ahead and get over to the second group of voicemails. Uh this one is gonna be from Chris and Kevin, and we've got a different type of theme going on here. Hey, David, it's Chris at TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. Just some thoughts on the game. I mean, twice this year, Mike Evans has had these huge games where he just took over the games, and the first one was obviously against the Giants, the second one against uh, the Titans, and the Bucks lose both of them. How does that happen? You know, any receiver has 190 yards receiving and two touchdowns, that team usually wins. But I guess it's just uh, Buck's life. Um, it's hard to – the officiating this year has gotten so much worse. One week they tell you, hey, we're just going to let you play, to, you know, if the ball comes out. And then the next week they're blowing plays dead. I, I just don't get it. And there's no repercussions, you know. It goes unharmed, unscathed, you know. The refs don't feel like they have to get the calls right because they just come back to work the next week. You know, so I don't know. Overall, hopefully Bucks can come back in next week and beat Seattle. Great to have JPP back out there. Uh, go Bucks! What's up, gentlemen? Kevin, still uh, we're about fourteen hours, thirteen hours removed from that um, that uh, bizarre, bizarre game. And um, what I want to know, and again, I listen to your show, listen to a few others, you know, sort of processing the game and figuring out what happened. And the thing no one's really discussing is the weird things that happened that were sort of desensitized to as Bucks fans. Carlton Davis had back-to-back interceptions called back for pass interference. And, you know, that was the one with the challenge, and uh, I don't know if it was a tight end or uh, I'm not sure who it was, but the guy flopped, and I understand why he challenged it. I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a necessarily smart challenge, but obviously you understand why he did it. And I'm just wondering, are we just desensitized to this? Like, is this just what we've come to expect? Like, the same thing with Bashard Perriman tackling uh, Dare. You know, is this just, just things, oh, yeah, this just happens. This is just who we are. We accept this. And we move on. Even the uh, the 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 fumble that was whistled dead, like yeah, 
Does this happen to the box? Of course it does. Thank you for all you do. And it is a beautiful autumnal morning. The mist. Everything's kind of glowing beautifully. Almost ethereal. Thank you, sirs. You guys have a good day. All right, Evan. So the so the theme of that one, so I titled that group uh, It's a Bucks Life, right? And <laughs> really kind of the overall theme is that even when this team does really well, even when Mike Evans, who's supposed to be one of the top receivers in the game, has a performance that shows that he's one of the top receivers in the game, the team still falls flat. Um, and then, of course, officiating, man. But let's let's talk about the officiating real quick. Uh, so give us your officials from the season, from the game, you know, wherever you want to take it. Oh, it's been so bad, man. It's been one of the worst years that I can imagine. Um, and I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer in every segment that we're doing, but that's just kind of the state of things right now. Um, yeah, I don't understand. One week, like Chris mentioned, one week they're not calling, they're not blowing plays dead. The next week they are blowing plays dead. Um, one week they're making a call on a certain move on a player. The next week they're not. I mean, they're just they're jumbling everything up. There's no consistency. Honestly, I don't care if bad calls are made as long as they're made on both sides of the ball, as long as they're made on both teams. Arrests, as long as they're consistently bad, I would rather take that than a ref make a good call one time and a bad play the next time. I mean, or a bad call the next time. Um, yeah, man, I mean, I just, just – there's so many examples you can think of. You know, the Rams-Saints game earlier in the year, uh, or maybe it was another game that I'm thinking of, but I think it was a Rams-Saints game. Yeah, because the Saints complained about getting screwed by the refs again. Obviously, you had the Brett Kern fumble with the Bucks this past weekend. The Andrew Adams touchdown wiped away. I mean, dude, just and then obviously, you know, the Michael. Now, I know I just got on to Bruce about challenging pass interference calls, but the one he tried to challenge in New Orleans when Michael uh, Thomas absolutely just pushed Vernon Hargraves off of him, that was worth it. That was that was a that was a worthy challenge. Um, but you know, just stuff like that. They didn't even reverse that call. So I don't know, man, I don't know what's going on with the refs. People keep saying that they're made, that the NFL is making it too hard on them. I can see that, but good God, man. I, I also don't believe that there are this many people that are this bad at their job in the world. It's just not possible, but hell maybe it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think about, it, I mean, the, the game has gotten more complicated, right? When you talk about, Certainly. it's gotten faster. Uh, Huh? Yeah, it's got, it's gotten faster. Um, I mean, the the players are more athletic; they can do more things, and it's harder to keep up. I mean, you know, these these officials are not athletes; they're not out there. I mean, they're probably in better shape than a lot of guys their age. I mean, most of them are a little bit older, but they're not super athletes. And I'm, and believe me, I'm not making any excuses for them. However, what I will say is that what I would like to see the NFL do is 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 do something to help mitigate some of these things. You know, and uh, I was I was listening to another podcast talking about, well, maybe, you know, uh, they're not wanting to let these plays run out because they're worried about making the game too long and, and so on and so forth. I don't think football really has that problem. Like, you know, uh, obviously, you know, football fans and, and, you know, commentators and everybody really kind of get frustrated when a, when a review takes, you know, an hour and, and all that stuff and, and got it. That, you know, is, is definitely going to be frustrating. It's always going to be frustrating. But what's more frustrating, I think any fan – any commentator, any coach, any player would agree. What's more frustrating is losing a game because of something that could have very easily been prevented. And this is one of those situations. And I've always been my entire life as a football fan. I've been a guy who hates when people try to blame referees for losses. Right. right. And let's get one thing very clear. The the referees are not to blame for this loss. No. However, what the referees are to blame for is the Buccaneers not having a fourth quarter lead after that play. They are to blame for that. Right. Now, does that right. mean the Buccaneers will win if they get that touchdown? 
I don't know. I have no idea what happens after that. Yeah. Um, So that's why I say they're not to blame for the loss. You know what I mean? Right. But I kind of think maybe the, maybe the NFL needs to look, I have zero confidences that Roger Goodell or anybody else is going to do it, but maybe the NFL would be better served looking at some things outside of their own game and adopting some things from some other games. And I'm looking specifically at the NBA for this one. Are you a basketball fan, Evan? Oh yeah, man. I watch, I watch. So, you know, the the NBA, Awesome. So you know the NBA has the rule, right? Where if, if a player has the ball and they have a clear path to the basket and they're fouled, no matter what the situation, no matter whether the other team's in the penalty, no matter whether he's in a shooting motion, that's automatic free throws. Because the NBA has said, they put a rule in place, they said, listen, when you look at this situation, common sense dictates that this player had nobody between him and the basket when the foul occurred. So had that foul not occurred, this player is going in for two points. Now, we're not going to go as far as to say, okay, here's your two points, but we are going to put him at the free throw line. We're going to say, hey, here's your, you know, here's your free throws, right? Right. The NFL can do something very similar. Now, you have you have some extremes, right? And I look at this play specifically, and this is we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. I didn't tell you fully what I was doing, but you helped me out with this. So on that field goal try, Brent Kern. Is it Brent or Brett? Brett. Brett Kern takes the snap, runs to the left side of the offensive formation around the side. Devin White absolutely plants him into the Tennessee turf. Uh, the ball comes out. Andrew Adam picks it up. He's he's flying down the field. There is only one player on that field for Tennessee wearing a number in the 80s. There's no players wearing 20s. There's no players wearing, you know, tens or whatever outside of maybe you know their kicker's number is but outside the punter and kicker everybody else is wearing a 50 a 60 a 70 or 90 or whatever like the only one basically wearing a number that says you might be at an athlete is michael pruitt is that how you say it yes you're good yes (laughs) yeah it's michael pruitt right number 85 for your tennessee titans (laughs) on that play he's lined up on the right side of that field goal formation the opposite side that kern ran to and not only that but he's right field so not only is he on the opposite side of the play, but he's also running downfield when it's happening. Adams picks up that ball. Michael Pruitt is about 30 to 40 yards on the opposite side of the field away from Andrew Adams as he's running down that field. So the NFL in that situation, if they have the proper tools in place and the proper rules in place, Mike Vrabel has zero legs to stand on to say, that Andrew Adams was not taking that thing back for a touchdown. No, 100%. Yeah, it was obvious. He was gone. He was easily gone. So if the NFL has rules in play that say, I don't know what you want to call it, call it the common sense clause. Hey, guys, if we can look at this play and say with common sense that there was no way this, right, call it whatever you want. Call it the the unimpeded progress, you know, unhindered progress towards the end zone, whatever you want to call it. And you can allow that play to have its its final process. You know what I'm saying? Because – because Andrew Adams didn't break stride. Andrew Adams ran all the way to the end zone. You know, at the same time, you can say, okay, if and let's say Andrew Adams, you know, he gets to the twenty-five, he hears the whistle, he's like, oh crap, that sucks. He drops the ball several ways. Okay, then you give him the ball at the twenty-five yard line, and then the coaches on sideline say, hey, stupid, next time run the damn ball into the end zone. Right. You know what I mean? Or at a minimum, there's got to be some sort of repercussion, like you said. There's got to be some sort of in-game mea culpa like that's the reason for penalties like there's got to be something that says hey i don't know even if you give the buccaneers 15 yards in the ball i don't know man i mean but all i know is as a profession as a professional sports league you have to try to take steps 
to prevent the people who are supposed to ensure the game goes right from making the game go wrong. And they're not doing it. For the NFL sure. hasn't done it. This is not a new issue. Rules are new, but the, the referees getting in the way of things is not a new issue. And yeah, it happened to the Saints in week two. I think it was week two against the Rams. Uh, Cameron Jordan, same thing. You know, had a, had a clear line to the end zone and nobody was catching them. And because of that play, uh, I think more directly, they lost that game. The Saints, I mean, the Saints very well probably would be undefeated right now. Yeah, man. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's just ridiculous. And the NFL dodged, honestly, uh, I mean, that was an indictment, obviously, on the refereeing right now. But they dodged an even bigger bullet due to the fact that that was a fourth down play. And since the conversion attempt was stopped, the Bucks would get the ball back anyway. Just imagine yeah. if that was a first, second, or, th- or third down play, you know, right. and the Bucks the, the, or the Titans got the ball back, then went down and scored or kicked a field yeah. goal or something, you know. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. But yeah, no, I'm with you 100%, man. Something has to change. Yeah. And then, and I mean, at, at a minimum, uh, I, I stumbled upon an ESPN show uh, earlier this week. I don't usually watch it. And someone was on there saying, you know, no, the refs, they, there are repercussions. They are held accountable. They're just in their own way and they don't publicize it. Well, publicize it. Like, yeah. what, what are you hiding from? Publicize. Put them in the stocks. You know what I mean? Hard feathers some folks. Let's get it done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I mean, not for nothing. Does the NFL have to report? you know, publicly that they find so-and-so no. for a low hit on a court. No, they don't have to necessarily, but they do. Well, right. if we're, if we're going to do it to the players, let's do it to the officials, do it to the coaches, you know, uh, so on and so forth. Um, I, I already think that the, the whole thing where, you know, NFL employees aren't allowed to bad mouth, you know, officials on the field is, is crap it's anyway. Crap. It's absolutely um, crap. Yeah. So it is what it is, man. But the, the bigger, the bigger thing though, uh, is this just a Bucks life, though? I mean, I mean, like how, like when these things happen, how do you react? Like, do you have, it's Bucks football, or yeah. how do you react? That's basically it, man. I just yeah. sit there on the couch. I either let out a nice hearty belly laugh, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah, or I just shake my head, and even while I don't believe it at the time, I still believe it because I've been so conditioned and used to seeing it for the past, what, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it's unreal, man. Yeah, I don't know. My brain is pra- practically fried at the end of the, at, at the, at the end of just about every single game, I literally felt like I just got done taking like a three and a half hour test. You know, it's just, it's just <laughs> a massive test of a uh, brain endurance every single uh. Sunday. It's just mentally and, and, liver, and liver endurance on some Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, man, when I saw, and I know this is actually is on Jameis Winston, but I don't know. I, mean, I when I saw Brashad Perryman run into Daru, Oh God, uh, that was, that was it, man. That was it. I think the words of course actually just, just came out of my mouth. I just, right. I just sat back. and said, of course. Right. Um, I know Jameis said that was on him and I get it, man. Like Jameis messed up the timing of the play, whatever. Listen, <laughs> I've never played in yet. I've I've ran on fields of competition and had people run in front of me. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's faster. I've I've watched that play so many times. I watched it. I'm not on the field. I don't know, man. Like to me, I just kind of want to look at Brashad and be like, bro. Like I understand the timing of the play, but when you see ball off to a running back in front of you, why do you keep running? God, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, just why? Why he couldn't do anything right that game? I mean, nothing he did was right in that game. And how how do you call yourself a professional and ser- and seriously screw up every aspect of your your job that you're supposed to do? 
And it sucks, man, because he's a really nice dude. I talked to him at training camp. He was on the show when he got signed. I was really happy, you know, for the he was really happy for the opportunity. I was really happy for him to get the opportunity uh, achieving their dreams and, and reaching their goals and all that stuff. Uh, but man, he's just he's just not cutting. Apparently, he's going to get more opportunities though because he ain't going nowhere. Um, uh-uh. But I'll tell you, I asked Gil. So Gil was in the in the press box. Unfortunately, I mean, obviously you weren't, you know, because you because you hurt yourself in your own athletic endeavors. You weren't able to be there. But I asked Gil <laughs> what the reaction was in the press box. And he told me that after what just happened, uh, it was laughter. So um, if you're wondering if it's just you Bucks fans out there that just kind of laugh the stuff off, you kind of have to. Um, folks in the press box are doing it too. Yeah. So they're they're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat, man. Yeah, I won't I won't um, name names. There's been times I've been in the press box where certain people have just been like, "Oh my god, are you serious?" Same old Bucks, or yeah, a lot of laughter ensues or something like that. Yeah. So trust me, it's it's definitely happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, Evan, uh, we are already way, way over time. Um, hopefully, I'm not going to get fired for this. But we've got one more group of, of voicemails, and then we will uh, we will go ahead and call it quits for this Halloween episode. Sound good? Sounds great, man. Hey, this is JT from Texas. Uh, was calling to talk about, I know it's a little early for the draft, but I don't want to make any moves in free agents and uh, trades. So... What do y'all think about staying still where we are? Don't lose no one, but maybe take an offensive tackle early in the draft and then an uh, offensive guard in the second round. What do y'all think? What's up, boys? Tyler from Boston. Um, I'm a little uh, disappointed coming out of a bye with what the team was able to put together. I mean, there's some goods and bads, but goods, obviously, that. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin had another great game. Uh, the tight end, Cameron Bray, he got some targets. So, you know, he's starting to get a little – the tight end position is getting a little bit more involved. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you give the ball away, there's a good chance you're going to lose the game. I mean, what, what was really disappointing was that I didn't feel like the Titans were the better team by any means. But, you know, whether or not those interceptions are Jameis' fault or not, I mean, if you give the ball away – going to give the team another opportunity to get ahead and when you drop the ball when you fumble the ball i mean that's 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 on you i know the offensive line didn't do much to help james but i mean hey it's frustrating as a bucks fan right now because you feel like you're watching a lot of the same stuff so anyways after it's halfway through the season so kind of curious to see uh what bruce Arians does or if the coaching staff shakes things up thanks james david is brent houston frustrated disappointed where do we go from here? I don't know. Yeah, have a great day. Hey guys, it's uh Sheffield and twenty six. Uh I'll make this quick as uh, I'm sick and obviously as you can tell my voice is going. The main thing that I can take away from the Titans game and uh but possibly just the last five years in general with this team is execution, miscommunication just seems to be a consistent problem with this team. And I I don't, obviously it's not all on James's fault, but this team just seems to not be able to win consistently with him as the quarterback. He has 90 turnovers in his five years, but you can't tell me that everything has to deal with miscommunication. I mean, either James is the most unluckiest quarterback in NFL history, or he can't read defenses. And, and, I'm at the point where he can't read defenses because I wouldn't, I don't think anybody's this unlucky. But then again, I've been wrong before. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's, 
this, uh, this is just a systematic and organizational failure from the top on down, and it's just, I know Versarian said that he was here for a reload, but let's be honest, we're, we need to rebuild. We have, this team just, it's not going anywhere fast, and we're right now just doing everything, the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. All right, Evan, so where does this team go? And some of our callers are talking short-term, you know, next week. So what can this team do to make the rest of the season better from what you've seen? What does this team need to do in the offseason to get better? And as you stand today, do you believe this team can or cannot win with Jameis Winston as his quarterback? Whether it's his direct fault or not, can this team win with Jameis Winston? Ooh, man, that's a, uh, that's a trilogy of questions right there. What I think they need to do is drop the MO, Bruce, and play to your team's strengths. Start figuring out how to make things work with the guys around you, not how to make things work, and then add the guys, if that makes any sense. Um, they've got to start playing to the team's strengths. They've got to get more creative, and they've got to abandon this, I don't want to say laissez-faire approach, but just this relaxed, hey, we'll get it. We're still playing for this year. You know, I know Bruce doesn't want to get too riled up because he's had health problems in the past and that had a bearing on what of him leaving for a year and all that stuff or retiring, quote unquote, for a year. But they've got to play to their strengths, man. Um, what they what that's what I think they need to do. What they need to do, good God, that's such a hard question. Um, they need to find an answer to for a third option in the passing game, whether it's a tight end, receiver, running back, whatever. Um, and they also need to find a way to find more pass rush production outside of Shaq Barrett. I know JPP came back and had a sack last week, but uh, the team is pretty good at pressuring, but they're not good at finishing those plays and getting the quarterback on the ground. And the way this secondary – now, the secondary was pretty decent. They, I think they allowed an, under 200 yards, um, and they allowed three touchdowns, but two of those touchdowns were in short fields, obviously, after the turnovers from Winston. Um, so I think the secondary played pretty well against the Titans and the Titans have a decent receiving core, but with just that secondary, what we've seen in general, they've got to create more negative plays and that's by getting quarterbacks on the ground. Um, and then can I think this team win with Jameis, <sighs> man, right now I'm saying no. Um, that's the, that, that was the takeaway I got from this past weekend. I don't think he is the root cause of everything, but I think he has certainly had a hand in everything. And I think at this point, this guy with his off the field issue, you know, the suspension and stuff, um, this guy from here on out in his career, he's going to have zero margin for error. And that's unsustainable in the NFL. And the moment he has another screw up, he could have 15 good games. He could have a whole season. He could throw 40 touchdowns and, and eight picks in one season. But the next season, everybody's going to just be like, can he do it again? Can he avoid the turnovers? Blah, 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 blah. These same questions are always going to be around him, man, until he strings three or four good years back together or back to back together. And I honestly don't know with this roster, if he can ever do that. So I'm going to say, no, I, I don't think they can win with him. And that's not on Jameis at like the last caller said, it's a systematic failure from or a systemic failure from top down. It's not all on him, but yeah, man, I, I don't think they can win with him. Moving forward in the, in the season. Um, I, I agree with you hundred percent, Evan, you know, one of the things that made me so excited about this coaches have when they came in is talking about scheming, to fit, not fitting the scheme. And honestly, I don't see it. And that's that's actually what's been more frustrating to me than anything. Like that Bruce Arians is a great charismatic leader. I still think that Byron Leftwich has all the potential in the world. Todd Bowles is great. And we've actually seen the defense get a little 
consistently over over you know since coming back from or since you know even in London and then against Tennessee even there's been some improvement we kind of thought they would be but that's okay when you see a team fall all the way down to the bottom you want to see some of those marked improvements and for you know overall not every single player but we heard all about accountability right and talking directly about Prashad Perryman again a really nice dude you know nothing personal against him but man how many more times is Prashad Perryman going to have to make mental errors and make effort errors? Like he, he's coming up short, not like the dude is going out there, putting it all on the field, leaving it all on the turf and coming up short. The dude is leaving energy on the field uh, or on the sideline, wherever you want to call it, man. Like he's not bringing his full effort to the field and no. it's costing this team in, in key, key areas. Uh, I mean, I know they won against Carolina, but you go back to that pass in the back of the end zone. Um, you got to make those plays. You know, and we talk about accountability. The dude's still here. I fully expected that guy to be gone um, by the time that we, you know we came to this week. And granted, they have till November fifth to to let him go and so recoup. You know that that compensatory uh, possibility. But so maybe Seattle's his last straw. I don't know. But to me, man, he's already hit his last straw. I mean, this is a guy. You know. So uh, are you familiar with the scouting academy? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I had spell Scout Academy, right? And the, and the first position group that I started with was the wide receiver group. And I'll tell you, I think it was Lewis Riddick was one of the one of the instructors in that whole thing. And one of the first things that he said when we were talking about wide receivers is you can't teach a guy to catch. And Brashad Perryman, the knock on him coming out of college was his hands. The knock on him in Baltimore was his hands. When he wasn't hurt, it was his hands. The knock on him in Cleveland was his hands. The knock on him in Tampa has been his hands and now his effort. You can't teach a guy to catch. And if he's not giving you full effort on top of it, bro, get out of here. What else do you need? So yeah. that's that's kind of my thing is like is 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 forget about your MO, but also just deliver on what you said you were gonna bring to the franchise. You know what I mean? Scheme to your players, stop asking your players to fit the scheme and hold them accountable because cutting bobo isn't shaking anybody's feathers. Nope. That's just not gonna do it. And then moving forward, this team needs Lions, man. Um, I've been, I was talking to James earlier this week, and the biggest thing that this team lost with Quan Alexander was a Lion. You know what I mean? That dude is a Lion on the field. You see it with San Francisco 49ers now. The Buccaneers have seen it the entire time he's been in this organization. Like This dude came in as a quote-unquote special teams player and took over the starting Mike Linebacker job as a rookie. That dude's a Lion. And... You talk about heart, whatever you want to describe it, heart and soul of the team. When a guy like Levante David is saying that Quan Alexander is the heart and soul of your team, that means something. So when they lost Quan Alexander, they lost a lion. They lost the heart and soul of their team. Devin White could be a lion. He's not right now. And that's not his thought, you know, anything like that. But they lost that. The Buccaneers have got to find it. If they don't have it on their team right now, if they don't have lions in the making on their team right now, they've got to go find them. They've got a lion in the defensive line. With Indomitian Sue. They've got a lion uh, at, at wide receiver with Mike Evans. They don't have a line at quarterback right now. They don't have a lion at the running back position. They don't have a running back on the offensive line in the linebacker group, and they don't have a lion in the secondary. They got to go find lions because dogs you want on your team. But if you have nobody out there to lead them, they're all going to die like dogs. And then Jameis. Can this team win with Jameis Winston as quarterback? On October 31st, I still believe this team can win with Jameis Winston. But oh, I will tell you, huh? 
I said that's reasonable. That's totally reasonable. I yeah. I mean, I completely see why you think that. Yeah, I will tell you though that my confidence in that is waning. It's fading. And Chef, just like you said, man, it's not even so much that it's Jameis Winston's fault every time. It's it, like it's it's almost like you may not necessarily always be the cause of the problem, but you also may not be the solution to the problem. And if you're not the solution to the problem, we need to go find the solution to the problem. I say you're you're part of the problem if you're not the solution. Exactly, exactly. That's part of the theory, right? Like, so it's it's again, it's you know, it, it sucks. But as and as a quarterback, I understand Jerome McCoy got ten years before you know the franchise was like, all right, dude, you're not you're not the solution at the defensive line. Thanks for all your time. Go go yeah, somewhere but else. He but he's a quarterback. He yeah, he doesn't have. Yeah, he doesn't, Gerald McCoy exactly. doesn't have the ball in his hands every play. Yeah, Jameis yeah. is a quarterback. Five years. That's a reasonable amount of time for a franchise to say, look, dude, are you are you our medicine that we need to get right? Or are you just going to help us continue this sickness? And if you're just going to help us continue the sickness, maybe you're not making us worse, but you're not making us better. We got to go find the medicine. So with that, Evan, unless you have any other words, I think we're going to call this episode wrapped. I'll say this real quick. Butch Jones got five years at Tennessee. Five years is plenty enough for Jameis Winston. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, man? Five years ain't up yet. Like he's still got time. No, it ain't. So we'll he's see. still got time. He's still got time. <laughs> and it starts with Seattle, which yeah. Evan and I will be back tomorrow to talk about Seattle and whether or not we think James Winston, Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can get off of this three-game losing streak, get back to some winning ways, bring some wins back as they get ready to come back to Tampa to face the Arizona Cardinals. Hopefully, coming off of victory, trying to stack up their first winning streak of the year. Um, until tomorrow, everybody, please have a safe Halloween. If you're out there trick-or-treating, maybe you've got one of your earbuds in while you're watching your kids. I hope you're having a great time uh, listening to this episode and, and spending time with your family always. As always, uh, my kids have outgrown it, so um, you know uh, there's some enjoyment that comes with that too. But if your kids have not outgrown it, believe me, while you might be out there cold, if you know, depending on the weather and all the stuff where you're at, um, enjoy it while it lasts because you will miss the cute costumes and the excitement and all that stuff um, when, when it's all gone and, and that time has passed in your life. But anyway... We will be back tomorrow. Um, again, follow Evan on Twitter at Evan underscore winner. Follow me at DH82 underscore Bucks. Find everything we're writing over at BucksNation.com and on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Follow the show at Locked on Bucks. And until next time, thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.